0: your podcast your source for martial arts and combat sports news reviews interviews and supplementary training guidance covering topics for both on and off the mats now here's your host sean Machino. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Perpetually Soar podcast. I'm your host, Sean Machino, and we are here today with episode two. Hopefully everyone has listened to and enjoyed episode one, which was about NFTs in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu space. Seeing as our last episode was somewhat combat sports related, somewhat technology related, this time we're going to focus on training. The theme for this episode is to train with the goal in mind Training with a goal in mind shouldn't just be something you do with your primary training, but also with any supplemental or cross-training that you do. This podcast really isn't meant to change or adjust your primary training. That's what your coaches are for. We're going to tackle this topic primarily from a supplemental training perspective. What do we mean by supplemental training? That would be the work you do outside of your combat sports or martial arts class. We're not going to talk about Muay Thai techniques, Jiu Jitsu techniques, karate techniques here. We're going to talk about things like strength training, conditioning, flexibility and mobility, those type of things. I know we haven't gotten to my credentials, but I am a certified personal trainer. I am a certified conditioning coach. I have years of experience training and competing and teaching martial arts. So these are things that I am well versed in. So let's jump into it. What do we mean when we say train with the goal in mind? What most people tend to do is when they have a goal, for example, to be in a competition for a certain fight sport. They practice that sport with their instructors and coaches in classes and in competition team training. But when they step off of the mats and they go to do workouts by themselves, maybe they run or ride an exercise bike to try to improve their conditioning. That's very common and nothing wrong with that. But they're not training for a race. So is that type of conditioning the most optimal conditioning training? Well, the answer is no, because the theme of training with the goal in mind means if you want to improve your conditioning for your combat sport, Your conditioning should be based upon the movements and parameters of your combat sport. Not something completely different. If you only train for a competition while you are in your primary classes then all the work you do outside of those classes isn't the most effective or optimal use of your time. The reason why we want to train with the goal in mind are the numerous benefits. First off, training with the goal in mind makes sure that you create muscle memory in the usage of the muscles and movements that you're training. It allows you to recall and perform those movements more efficiently, And more automatically, it ensures that the additional training that you're doing outside of your combat sports or martial arts training supports your goals, regardless of that is for a competition or other purposes. It really makes the most efficient use of your time. When you think about a long distance runner, when they train, they primarily run and their supplemental training isn't generally something like jujitsu. So why would someone who does jujitsu make their supplemental training running? It, it, It doesn't really make much sense. The goal is to fully support what you're trying to achieve by focusing your training in that way. Let's take a look at what this means for the various types of training. Just to quickly touch upon it, for your primary training, your coaches and instructors should know what your goal is and what you feel you need to work on to achieve those goals. You should also listen to them for their thoughts on what they think you need to do in order to achieve those goals. Working together with them should cover your primary training. Outside of that, most combat sports fighters and martial artists do conditioning training. Lots of people join strength and conditioning training. There are a lot of classes called strength and conditioning classes I like to separate the two because they both require unique types of training to be fully effective. When we think about conditioning specifically, what that means is your ability to perform the activity you want to do when you need to do it. Think about a boxer who needs to get through their fight. They have a certain number of rounds that they have to be able to get through those rounds are of a certain length, which will require them to be at a heightened heart rate and be able to respond effectively during those rounds for the duration of the round. When the round is over, they have some time to recover so that they can do it again when the next round starts. If your conditioning training program doesn't focus on that, you aren't getting the most out of your conditioning program. The example of a boxer, if you're fighting 12 three-minute rounds, your conditioning program should be based on elevating your heart rate to high levels for three minutes, 12 times, with a minute of rest in between each round. What like you will want to do for your conditioning sessions, regardless of the sport that you're training for, is to replicate the length of the activity and rest periods that you will be facing. You will want to start with that as the bare minimum. If you're in a competition where the rounds are five minutes in length, definitely start conditioning with five minute rounds. To make sure you have the gas in the gas tank that you need, by the end of your conditioning training program, you should be doing six, seven, or eight minute rounds. Because if your body gets used to doing rounds that are longer than you are going to be facing in your fight, you will be that much more prepared than your opponent. What you do during those intervals needs to match the tempo of the activity in both pacing and explosiveness for the competition that you're going to be doing. So again, let's keep picking on boxing. You'll want to make sure that you elevate your heart rate for the round length. But in boxing, you're gonna have periods where you're going to be doing extra movement, like throwing combinations. You're gonna have periods where you rest a bit by backing away from your opponent or clinching. Most of the time, you're going to be in a state where They're throwing a few things at you, you're throwing a few things at them. Your heart rate would be elevated, but not in an explosive manner. So you want to condition by doing activities very similar, if not exactly the same, to the sport you're training for. When you're doing your primary training, your instructors are probably working on pads with you, teaching you combinations, working on your defenses, working on your ability to see attacks coming in so you know how to respond. For conditioning, you want to try to stay technically accurate in performing what they have taught you in primary training, but your goal really is to make sure you get your heart rate up at or above where you expect it will be in the actual competition. You want to sustain it there. You want to make sure you mimic periods of explosiveness and rest. And only through doing that will you be able to get your conditioning improved for your competition. The most effective way for conditioning training will always be to focus on performing the same actions that you would be doing in your target event and to gradually increase both the time and intensity of those activities so that you will have plenty of energy reserves and be able to manage getting through your competition. I won't go into details of how to structure or create a conditioning program here. That is something we can cover parts of in future episodes, and it is a lot of content, so I'll try to think of ways to break it into smaller digestible chunks that we can deliver on this podcast. I do suggest you try to find a coach who has conditioning expertise because it does take a lot more than just doing exercises to get and sustain an elevated heart rate. Moving on to strength training, this should also be done with the end goal in mind so that your strength training also uses motions and activities related to what you are training for. Now, if you're training for a weightlifting competition or the CrossFit Games or something like that, then traditional exercises and lifting will be fine for you. For combat sports, athletes, if your competition is a fight, then spending a lot of time doing deadlifts and weighted squats and things of that nature won't be too effective. Sure, they will help you gain muscle, but it may not be the muscles you need for your sport. If we pick on a common saying in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, strength shouldn't matter, technique is what should matter. That's great, but if two people have the same skill level of technique, the person who is stronger generally has the advantage. One way to go about training with the end goal in mind for strength would be, for example, if we continue to pick on BJJ, try some bridges. You're on your back, you pull your heels to your rear, you push into the floor with your feet as you bridge your pelvis up. That's a typical move that is used a lot in jujitsu for escapes, and is something that you should be highly effective in. So what does that have to do with strength training? Well, if you take a heavy sandbag, and you put it on top of you as you do those bridges, you won't just be practicing and locking in the bridging motion, but you will be adding resistance with the sandbag. And by adding resistance, you will be building muscle related to that motion. If you're competing in a certain weight class, adjust the weight of the sandbags, resistance bands, or the traditional weights that you're putting on top of you while you do that motion to mimic and mirror what you will be facing in competition, because then you know that your strength training will be mirroring what you need to do for your event. If you look at another example, for instance, boxing or Muay Thai, you might ask, how do I do strength training for something like that? Well, let's pick on punching. You may think you could hold a dumbbell or a kettlebell in your hand, but you punch, which will add Weight and resistance to the muscles that you use for that motion. I would not recommend this, however, for punching and kicking. Generally, what I would suggest is using resistance bands and continuing to stack them as needed to increase load over time. If you hold a weight in your hand while you punch, that's not similar to what will be happening in a fight because your hand won't be that heavy nor holding anything. Resistance bands can help you build the muscles while doing the motion correctly. If holding a weight would drop your posture or your technique, you don't want to do that. You want to avoid getting sloppy by always moving correctly. So always think about when you're doing the strength training aligned to your activity. You don't want resistance loading to impact your ability to perform. The motion. Resistance bands are great for that. So are using cable-based exercise machines. If you have a cable-based machine in your gym, load it with some weight. Just don't let the angle of the cable stop you from having a clean technique. If it does, then you are honestly better to do traditional lifting rather than trying to do a punch-type of technique and not be able to do it well. So moving on from strength training, What are other types of training that people do to supplement and support their activities? Flexibility and mobility is one that comes to mind. That's yoga. I try not to call it yoga too much, depending on who I've talked to. If you say the term yoga, it turns them off. If you say flexibility and mobility training, they get happy. So however you want to consider it, just make sure that you are doing stretches And poses that mirror situations you will come across in your competition. Jiu-Jitsu is a great example. You often end up twisted and turned and cupped and shoved into many different situations when you're rolling. And a lot of that can be mimicked solo through yoga poses. So find a pose that is close to a position you are uncomfortable in and get comfortable being uncomfortable Improving your flexibility is about that uncomfortable time while on depression. Go into a pose, probably go to about 70 or 80% of what you can tolerate. So it's pretty uncomfortable. You don't want to string, pop anything, but get yourself good and unhappy and just hold it there for a couple of minutes. For mobility, what you're generally looking at is to decrease your range of motion. You should do that through dynamic stretching. So doing the motion that you want to increase your range in, slowly going farther and farther as you loosen up. Sometimes it's helpful to do your flexibility training before mobility. Sometimes it's not. You really have to listen to your own body, understand what's best for you. I suggest trying it both ways. Those are the four types of supplementary training I usually tend to see. Conditioning, strength, flexibility, and mobility. There's certainly other things that I would suggest incorporating if you have the time to dedicate to them. One of the next most important pieces is breath work. Breathing correctly can mean a huge difference in performance. You're competing against someone and They've worked on breathing under pressure and well exhausted. And you haven't, they're going to have an advantage. If you've done that training and they haven't, you have the advantage. I have a lot of content as well as a masterclass out there on breathwork. I don't want to jump in and cover all the details right now. I've picked some key pieces of content from there, and we'll cover it on the podcast. We'll leave that for another day because I want to keep those episodes concise and focused as much as possible. The important thing to remember is if you add breathwork, also practice it with your end goals in mind. Once you understand a few breathing patterns that can help you, make sure to add those into your primary practice, competition, training, and sparring, and other types of training. So with that, I'll summarize what we talked about here. What we want to do is convey the concept that training with the goal in mind will optimize your training. Efficiency and effectiveness. How do you train with the goal in mind? Well, that is to know what you're training for and to make sure all of your training is done in the manner that aligns with what you're trying to achieve. So if you're trying to be in a Muay Thai fight, you don't do conditioning by riding a bike. You do conditioning by doing Muay Thai techniques at a rate that will elevate your heart rate and mimic the activity that you'd find in a Muay Thai fight. And you want to progressively load that higher and higher until you can easily go beyond what will be asked of you during the fight. Once you step in the ring, your adrenaline will kick in. Things will be much more elevated than they ever were. No matter who you have been training with, you should expect the person who is going to be facing you is going to be a bit harder, faster, more aggressive than a training partner. That is just the way it works. So conditioning well beyond what you think will be asked of you is always a great practice. On strength training, focus on lifting and adding weight and resistance to the motions that you would be using in your activity. When it comes to flexibility, flexibility. Pick poses to hold. That would be situations your body will end up in. And for mobility training, do dynamic stretching consistent with the motions that you will be performing. So with that, I will be off. Thank you for listening to the Perpetually Sore podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this. I will continue to try to get episodes out regularly. Over the next week or two, to start building a decent library. After that, we would probably go weekly or twice a week. Until next time, have fun on the mat, and we'll talk soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Perpetually Soar podcast. We hope you have enjoyed this episode's topics. Please follow and review our podcast on your listening platform of choice. If you have any suggestions on future topics, or comments about the show, you can contact us by visiting perpetuallysore.com, or finding us on Instagram at perpetuallysore247.